0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Omari Sankofa, Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Omari, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I think the question is, how are the Pistons, uh, the Jazz and Pistons, scheduled to play tonight? 8 o'clock, listen to the game here on The Zone. Of course, the game didn't go off last night with Detroit and Denver. Woj had a tweet that he seems pretty confident that this game is going to be played tonight. I was wondering uh, what you had heard.
1: Yeah, it looks like it was a uh, false positive, which uh, obviously is, is great news. Uh, the Pistons have been uh, pretty untouched by the uh, by the, the virus really up until yesterday. I think they had only had one game uh, previously postponed because of the Wizards. So, uh, you know, it's always good to see that, uh, you know, a positive test was actually not, not positive, and it uh, looks like everybody with the organization is just safe, and uh, things will be good to go tonight, so... Uh, definitely best case scenario for a situation that looked pretty tough last night. Well,
2: that's good to hear. We want to see basketball and see the games being played, obviously. As I look at the Pistons, obviously an up and down, more down than up. My thought is, just a few years ago, Blake Griffin was a big-time superstar. Has his body just broken
1: down? You know, it's it's tough. Um, I think one thing with Blake is that he missed a year of basketball. He had the uh, surgery on his left knee um, last January. And every now and then he will show glimpses of sort of, you know, the player he was, you know, being able to hit those threes, uh, post people up, Um, obviously sort of having that that point guard vision. Uh, He hasn't been that high flyer type Blake Griffin for a few years, but he has still been able to adjust and uh, still find a way to play at a, a high level. And he hasn't been that type of player yet this season. So, um, I think the jury is still out. Uh, sometimes when players miss a lot of time, it takes them a while to get back. Uh, you know, we see Victor Oladipo last season after he got back from the uh, the the thigh injury. Um, you know, it took him a while to get back to where he was playing at a high level. So, um, yeah, it's definitely tough. Uh, you know, I think I think Blake will figure it out. But uh, so far this season, he hasn't been what he was That's uh, how he was healthy, and uh, it's definitely a reason why this this team. Uh, currently has five wins right now. Uh, you know, I think if Blake were back to who he were, uh, this, this thing would be a lot better uh, just because between him and Jeremy Grant, you uh, would have two of the better scorers in the Eastern Conference. So uh, it's definitely been tough for, for Blake so far, but uh, he still has time to sort of get his legs back under him.
0: I've been a little surprised slash confused. There's been so much hype about Jeremy Grant and, and how he's performing because it's, well, first off, he passed the eye test when we saw him playing in the West with the with the Thunder and the Nuggets versus the Jazz, but he always looked like he was in a role where, you know, you're the third or fourth option, you don't get as many shots as when you're option one or two. And now he's getting, he's getting more field goal attempts, you get more shots, but shooting the three a little better, but he's shooting the three pretty well before, so I, I'm not, I know 23 points a game, that's, you know, once you get over 20, it's kind of a big deal, but Isn't this what he was supposed to do, or why are people so surprised?
1: It is. I think part of it is that Jeremy Grant, you know, maybe for the average fan, was not somebody that they knew about as much. Uh, Outside of that um, performance in in the bubble last season, uh, You know, I think he had mostly been in that sort of role-player tier. So uh, I think especially a lot of Pistons fans, when they first signed him to that contract in November, uh, they were so surprised that he was the – number one target the Pistons were going after. But when you look at his numbers from last season and even the season before when he was in Oklahoma, uh, he's doing a lot of the same things he was doing then. He's just doing it more because he's the featured player on offense and not uh, third or fourth in the picking order behind a few other stars. Uh, he has always gotten to the rim a lot. Uh, he's doing that now. Uh, he's been a good three-point shooter for a while. He's still doing that now. Uh, I think some of the bigger uh, improvements he's made on offense really is that least. Passing the ball a lot better. Uh, he's averaging about three assists, and in the last two weeks, I think he's averaging closer to five. Uh, you know, which is a huge increase over um, how he moved the ball previously. And I think most impressively, he's doing all of this while still uh, playing really high level defense, uh, which I think is the reason why he came to Denver to begin with, because you could uh, play him against LeBron. Uh, you know, you could put him on Paul George. You could put him on all these different players who um, are among the league's best players. So uh, I would say he's definitely uh, exceeded expectations this year uh, just because you never know how a player will grow into a role. But at the same time, he is doing a lot of the same things he was doing already. He's just doing it more because he's now the feature player on offense.
2: DeLon right, the former Ute, had been coming off the bench a little bit. Is he a full-time starter now? What's
1: his role? He's a full started starter now. Uh, he began the season coming off of the bench, and uh, Killian Hayes, he went down with a hip injury, and um, that opened the door for DeLon to uh, be inserted back into the starting lineup. And they've had some shuffling at the, the guard positions. Actually, now that I think about it, I think DeLon started the first two games as that shooting guard and then came off the bench behind Josh Jackson and then was shifted to the point guard once Killian went down. But, that's that's I think that's the appeal of a guy like Delon Wright is that uh, he's very versatile. Uh, you know, he he brings you a lot at, at both guard positions. If you can kind of slap him in wherever he's supposed to be at. and uh, he has been really good at that point guard position. Uh, you know, he's really good at getting to the rim and, and he has that that driving kick aspect to him. Uh, he's a pretty good defender. Uh, he's also somebody that that goes to the way Casey has known for a long time, uh, dating back to their time in Toronto. So yeah, he's really come in and sees a pretty big role early for this team.
0: So what has to happen for the Pistons to uh, take a leap forward and get to mediocrity? Because five and fifteen is uh, is painful to go through. We haven't had to do it very much with the Jazz, but when you do, it's painful.
1: So it's definitely tough, and, and Pistons fans. Let me know in my mentions that even though they know that this will be a rebuilding season, um, I don't think anybody wants to. I don't think anybody wants to have that that type of record. Um, I think a big one is just getting Blake back to. Uh, the level he was at. Um, you know, even though he's not really shooting the ball that well, he still has a big share of the offense because the Pistons want him to get back to that level. Um and it's just you know, it it can be tough when you have a guy who um, you know, second or third on the team and, and, and total shot attempts and they're just not making their uh, shots. So I think that's probably the uh most clear path they have back to being a more of an average team is uh just having Blake get back to who he was previously. Beyond that, I I, I think the team is just young. Uh, They have five rookies, four of whom were taken in this past draft, and I thought uh, had pretty significant roles. Uh, They have several other players who are younger than 24, and they've all been in the rotation. I think when you have a team that young, uh, it's just, you know, you have to learn how to win. And they have some some good veterans, but outside of Jeremy Grant, they don't really have anyone else who is a go-to guy. Uh, So you just have different role players who, you know, all have their. Strengths and weaknesses, and and this roster, you know, with Blake, you know, playing how he currently is, just really is not built to make that much noise in the Eastern Conference right now. So, uh, you know, if Blake finds his touch again, and that would go a long way. But uh, I think when it comes down to it, they're just seeing a young team, uh, you know, with at least one player who's playing at an all-star level. But you know, these guys cut out to grow into who they'll become.
2: How's the cap space as far as that goes? They have some money to go out and get some players in the next uh, couple years?
1: They will have a lot of work space uh, after next summer. Uh, so for Blake, he has a player option this summer worth $39 million, and then uh, he's off the books. And uh, you also have Derek Rose, who will come off the books this summer. Uh, not on this contract as far as he's only on the books for like $7.7 million. Uh, you know, not, like Really, it looks like this roster is sort of on a, a two- to three-year plan from a, a cap standpoint to... Uh, Maybe go out and be a, a player in, in free agency. Um, I don't think that's something that the front office is looking at right now. Uh, just because you look at Detroit's history in free agency, and uh, you know Detroit has never been a, a destination. Uh, There's really only a half of the teams that you know can a- attract those types of players. So I think they want to build through the draft for a few years. Uh, you know, just use whatever money they have to find veterans who can uh, sort of mm-hmm. set that that. Possible tone in the locker room, and um, you know, I mean, maybe in 2023 or 24, uh, you know, we'll see them not only better, but you know, be able to attract more talent.
0: How is uh, Rodney Bleep, and Magruder handling his uh, his 48 hours in the spotlight? Is he is he weathering the storm?
1: <laughs> I think he has. Uh, I think I think the, the situation was tough. Uh, because for, for one, uh, he really does bring a lot to, to the person, and they really do. Um, value what he's brought just as a, a person. Uh, he's somebody who um, kind of worked his way through the ranks in the G League and, um, he could have been a roster cut up at the end of the season and the Pistons kept him because uh, they valued what, what he, he brought. Uh, you know, just him mentoring the, the young guys and everything. And, um, yeah, you know, and I, I think that was a tough one on Sunday. You, uh, approach the opposing team's bench, which, uh, alone, you know, is probably never a good idea. And, um, of course, we all know you know Draymond and and Clay. You know they're they're not afraid to to talk and defend their own. And uh, you know you have two you know probably future Hall of Famers kind of ganging up on you. So no, I mean it was it was definitely a tough situation. Uh, Wayne Ellington spoke up on, Ronnie of visitors behalf uh, the other day, and um, you know I'm sure they want to move past it now. But um, no, definitely not a good situation, and definitely I'm sure not the way Rodney Burgner wanted to be introduced to <laughs> a national audience.
2: <laughs> uh, Dwayne Casey, stay safe or in trouble? As far as the coach,
1: I think he's safe. Um, you know, despite the record, you know, I think this is probably close to what the front office uh, expected in Reaver's first year. Um, they didn't set any playoff goals; they set a the goal to compete night in and, and night out. And um, when you actually look at the Pistons' net rating, uh, you know, they're margin for victory, uh, whatever else it may be uh... they are a little bit better than their record they've had a lot of close losses this season um... they lost to Houston Rockets by one point the other week um... and they were down twenty and actually closed the gap uh... they've had some fifteen point leads they just couldn't hang on to um... on the week one they had a double overtime game against the Cleveland Cavaliers who have been really solid this season and uh... they were actually up eight with like two minutes to play and they just couldn't hang on to the lead so uh, they've actually been competing in almost every single game this season. Uh, their biggest problem has just been finishing games out, which I think is an issue when you do have so many young guys on the roster. Uh, you know, many of whom are, are rookies, and I've never been in this situation before. So, um, if you, I think, just looking at it from an organizational overall plan, uh, they they followed the plan that they set out. You know, they they didn't want to be five and fifteen. But at the same time, I think they expected that this season would be more of a, a, a rebuilding season, just given how, how young they are. So I think Dwayne's like, you know, this is sort of what they said during the offseason, that they want to compete every night. You know, they want to create a good environment for the young guys. Um, the record isn't, isn't great, but at the same time, I think Dwayne has followed the plan that uh, he and, and the front office said over the summer, and uh, the team still has room to grow this season. So, no, I don't, I don't think Dwayne's job is in trouble right now.
0: Amari Sankofa joining us, Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, Jazz and Pistons tonight. Uh question we've been asking here today is uh, uh, are the Jazz a legitimate championship contender or a good team? The Lakers look like the favorite again, but how many contenders are there across the league and are the Jazz in that group?
1: I think the Jazz uh, should be considered to be in that group. Um, I think when you've been playing at the level they've been playing at, and this is a team that, I mean, every single year they've, they've been good, you know, with the career that they currently have now, with Donovan Mitchell, and really go bare. And Mike Conley's having one of the best seasons of his career, and I think that's uh, possibly the X factor right there. Um, you know, Mike, he's, I think, largely one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And, you know, and, and he really is powering the team in a, a lot of ways right now. Uh, you know, I think if you just look at, Utah's record, and you look at who their best players are, you know, this may be a season where Mike Conley really has a chance to make his 1st all off-star team. So, yeah, this, this team is legit. They're defending at a high level. They have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking at teams, I can hang with them in the seven-game series. I think they're definitely in the, in the, in the top tier of the uh, NBA right now. So, still a lot of seasons left, but I think they belong in that conversation.
0: Omari, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on the air with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Omari Sankofa, Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, and uh, false positive, canceled the Detroit-Denver game. But Detroit's healthy, and testing went well on the follow-up, so the Jazz and the Pistons scheduled to play tonight. And that's an 8 o'clock game, so the pregame show will start at 7 o'clock here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There you have it, PK. A guy in Detroit, a beat writer, the Jazz, legitimate contender. Not merely a good team. They've made the jump. All right, that's one.
2: Let's total them up at the end of the show.
0: <laughs> we got a lot of people weighing in on Facebook, DJ and PK, and on Twitter at David DJ James.
2: False positive they had. I like to think of myself as the opposite. When I think of myself, when I think of what is PK, I think two words come to mind, true negative negative. Or truly negative? Truly! Truly negative! I Is that reg- what you're
0: saying? I regret bringing that up. <laughs> you triggered that, yak, You gotta wear it. You won 11 in a row, then you went out and lost one. It happens. Jimmy, Jimmy just tweeted at us, Jazz, really good team. They lack long athletic wings. Long athletic
2: wings, that's the answer, huh?
0: That's the answer.
2: If they had long athletic wings, he would have said they lack, fill in the blank, (laughs) uh, what else? They lack an uh, offensive-oriented center, which obviously they don't have. Neither of their guys are offensively oriented at the center position. So, I wonder, athleticism matters But I wonder if it matters.
0: And I do believe we lost PK. (laughs) At first I thought that was a dramatic pause before a big statement. I wonder if it matters as much as people think it does. I wonder if it matters... In the biggest possessions of the biggest games. You know, I thought he was winding up. I'm like, what's the second half of that? And right now, he's ranting in his basement. <laughs> and we're not getting it. I wonder if it matters. I think it matters with the shot clock running down. I think they've got it defensively. I think they've had a lot of success. When people say, oh, Roy and Ian couldn't guard that guy, you know who they're talking about? They're talking about matching him up with someone who's just too big, the Joker. <laughs> he's just a massive size disadvantage for however many possessions he spent on Jokic. You know, you're watching him stand next to Jokic, you're like, Jokic is a massive human being. He is just humongous. And then also some of the little guards, just too quick. You know, and, But most nights, you don't hear anything about his defense because he's playing it well, and he usually gets a tough matchup. You know, he doesn't always get the best player, but he gets one of the best. You know, some teams have more than one really good player. But you see him spending a lot of time defending good players, but most of them are those athletic wings. And in positionless basketball, there are still some guys who are truly fives and some guys who are truly ones, and it's mostly a size thing. But the guys playing the two, the three, and the four, so interchangeable. It doesn't – a lot of times when the Jazz are on the floor, as long as they have three of those kind of guys, I'm not really worried about who the two, the three, and the four are. All right, PK, you left us hanging there. I wonder if it matters – and I had a bunch of suggestions for where you were going next. There was that dramatic pause, and then you were gone. I wonder – I mean, athletic wings matter, but I wonder – take it. Yeah, I never
2: lost you. I heard you the whole time. I oh. heard your all your suggestions, <laughs> we and I heard hear you. I heard Yock. Are you there? And I'm screaming, "Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> here, I'm here." I've, I literally have never lost you this whole time, so I don't know what happened there. All right. But I wonder if the game now has changed to the point where athleticism is important, but it's not the ultimate quality because it's skill level. You look at Jokic; I mean, he doesn't define athleticism, but skill. He's got it in spades. And so Joe, the slow-mo Joe, I think it's overrated. or un- I think it's overblown. Joe has lack of athletic ability. I would disagree, but he's not a high flyer. Uh, but, you know, the Jazz went to the NBA Finals, and I don't think Malone, Stockton, or Hornacek, their three best players, were high flyers. So I think that's somewhat overrated. Skill level, particularly on the shooting, seems to be what matters now. And so, can way the game has been transformed, and it's so radically different than 15, 20 years ago, that does that matter as much? Because if you're wildly athletic but can't hit a shot, do you have a place in this league?
0: Or maybe you have a place, but it's not a prominent place. I think you're on to something there. I think a lot of what you say is true. I think that crazy high-flying athleticism mattered when more of the game was in the paint And when everybody's playing defense and everybody's geared up in the playoffs, if you have size and length, you could and and athleticism, you could rise above people and get a shot off. Now, the fact is it is hard to rise above someone and hit a three. If you have to jump, I've heard more than one coach say, if you have to jump over somebody to get open to shoot a three, you're not open. And people can't do that. And the guys who shoot over people from three, a have high skill levels and basically are seven-footers like, you know, the Durant-Navitsky-type build where you're just shooting over people because you're taller and longer than them. And you're not jumping over them. You know, most threes aren't truly jump shots. They're more set shots. I mean, you jump a little bit, but you're not jumping three feet off the ground. Well, they open over them.
2: jump shots.
0: Right, Exactly. I mean, with your legs, yes, you're leaving the ground, but you're not leaving it by that much, and you're certainly not jumping over people to get the shot off. So I think that's where the skill a little more, and there's still a place for athleticism, the ability to get up and down the floor without question. But the whole slow-mo thing, on offense, you generally want to be going about two-thirds speed and reading what the other person is doing. And then, where it does matter, having a little bit of burst to get separation and get the shot off. But the whole slow-mo thing, uh, lots of guys do that. You watch a lot of offensive guys. I mean, LeBron on offense, LeBron doesn't play that fast on purpose. Obviously, he's athletic, and he could if he wanted. But unless you've got somewhere specific to go in in a hurry because, you know, there's an opening you get to the rim for a layup, then you show your athleticism. But watch how LeBron moves with the ball. He's at two-thirds speeds. He's gauging what's going on.
2: Well when the situation dictates it and, to and provide then you put out right? then you do and he has it obviously. I think the important thing is you have to have in today's game, you have to have shooters, right? And the Jazz addressed that and they've made they made a transformation. The fact that they were winning fifty games with uh two or three shooters, not
1: uh, non Non-shooter, shooters yeah.
2: who had Gobert favors and Rubio Quinn Snyder, should have been, the freaking Coach of the Year award, should have been named after him uh, when they were doing that. I mean, that was remarkable when you think about it. Maybe we didn't see it because it's like watching your kid grow. You don't notice it, but he's growing. Uh, but to do what he did there and to win that many games was incredible. Well, they've addressed that, and they've moved away from that. But I still think you need guys who – what I – What I think is the most important as far as athleticism is the ability to create your own shot. You need guys who can do that because if you do that – Obviously, by definition, you're creating your own shot, but you're also forcing collapsing of defenses mm-hmm. that in turn creates shots for other guys. And Donovan Mitchell spoke to this in one of his self-critiques as far as we know he can get to the basket and has great balance and euro step and athletic ability. We've seen that a million times. But when he spoke to it, I think it was that last year at some point, maybe it was the year before, he was talking about how he needs to increase his ability to create for others. Well, because he has the ability to create for himself, that means he also, by definition has the ability to create for others and he needed by his own acknowledgement he needed to get better at that so I think you need to have those elements of your team if you just have a bunch of standstill shooters well then you're all running around and become easier to defend whereas if you have guys who can break down the defense they create the mismatches and the weak side strong side guys open here guys open there type of thing and Mitchell and Clarkson provide that to the Jazz and Conley has the ability to to get in the paint we've seen him do that offhand floater a million times also so they have it they just don't necessarily have it in spades
0: you you pretend like you can't break it down but that was beautiful you just broke it down <laughs> you broke it down you got your pretend thing going on i'm reading
2: a book right here I, I'm, I'm reading basketball right right from for the pages. dummies yes
0: yes because that, it's got my picture on it. Because that athleticism, if you got a couple guys, you can wreck that switching defense that has haunted them at times. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you're standstill guys. We're going to switch everything. You, you can't go. open. you got to be able to beat somebody. And even then, like, like Harden is athletic. I don't want to say he isn't athletic, but that's not why he drove the rocket offense. He was like some kind of... Uh, it was like some kind of Zen karate kid thing. Like any movement a defender made that was wrong, Harden read it. I mean, it was like the Matrix. I mean, he just, he read it. If you did any, if you reached, then he drew the foul. If you, if your feet were wrong, he took advantage and blew by you. If you played off him just a little bit, then he stuck the three in your face. And it was just like instant computer analysis of any weakness, and then he'd make you pay for it. And it was just, it was amazing. And Not that he wasn't athletic and he didn't have some size, but that wasn't why he was doing what he was doing.
2: No, I think the rigorous academics of Arizona State, even the two <laughs> years that Pardon only spent there, Were increases your intellect to the point where, man, what you have to make sure is that you don't overthink because your mind has been trained to push beyond the elements and boundaries that most humans cannot do.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got a lot more of you weighing in on the Jazz, the championship contender possibilities. We will get to that coming up. Stay with us.